activated, sensitive to what God would want to do through you um, this morning. Um, so we're excited that you did that. We um, pray every morning before our services, and one of the things that came up in prayer this morning as we were praying over the service, and actually Tabby um, uh, alluded to it a little bit in the prayer that she prayed earlier in worship, that God would break the dam open, that whatever keeps us dammed up inside, uh, that blocks the flow of God, that blocks the ability for God not only to minister to us, so it's, it's, it's multi-directional, isn't it? Dams are multi- we can dam God out, and we can, we can dam up God from being used fully in our life, that we would allow God to open up the dam, let his river flow, let his life flow into us and through us. And oftentimes those, those ways in which we get dammed up are fear, uh, pride, uh, idols in our life, sin. And so oftentimes one of the easiest ways or the quickest ways for us to allow the Spirit of God to flow through us is through repentance is when God speaks into our life, and it could be through worship, it could be through the message, it could be outside of the context of the message, you're just sitting there and God starts speaking to you, but when he puts his finger on things that hinder us from being open and released, he wants to set us free from that. Sometimes it's poor teaching and that we need revelation, but whatever that the case is, would you open up your heart and mind for God to minister to you? and allow those dams to be open. In a corporate setting, I've been in multiple corporate settings in my life where the way that I would describe the dam breaking corporately is uh, what, what is considered, I, I, oftentimes it's marked with tears. Often, oftentimes it's marked with a genuine openness to being vulnerable that could be through repentance, an openness for God to be present. And it's oftentimes marked with, it's, and this is kind of ironic, it's marked with a lack of concern about what people think about me. So we, we, we get free from the fear of man. We get free from even thinking about what people are thinking about us or me. So that self-conscious aspect, it's not healthy. So we, that happens, and then simultaneously, we have an awareness or a desire for others to be built up and encouraged. So it's, we're taking our eyes off of others for ourselves, and we're putting our eyes back on others for their sake. When that happens in a group of people, powerful things take place. So would you be willing, even right now, and again, this is every Sunday, but as we're talking about this, to put yourself in a position to allow God to speak authentically to you, to receive from him, and to not be concerned about what others are thinking about you, but may, may you be consumed by God and a love for other people. In review uh, from, from last week, because we this is kind of part two, and I'm going to go really quickly in review, but I feel like I need to, for those who weren't here last week, do a, a quick review of last week. We looked at 1 Corinthians 14, and the very beginning verse of 14 says, let love be your highest goal. And the context of this whole series centers on Paul's admonition that we would be 
people filled by the Holy Spirit, and we would know that we are marked and filled by the Holy Spirit because we exude love. We are filled to overflowing with love so that the, the second part of that verse could be fulfilled, which is you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. That as we begin to minister to one another, it's again kind of what I just talked about. It's not about you and what's, what you're doing for somebody. It's not about your self-promotion, but it's about God being in our midst and others experiencing the love of God through us. And so we talked about this in the context as Paul focused in on specifically two gifts that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, that list we're going to come back to in a moment, but prophecy in tongues. And we know, if you've been here for the last few weeks, that those special abilities were being highlighted by the church and they were being overemphasized. And so he addresses tongues and prophecy. And he, he, he addresses it again in the context of why we have gifts in the first place, to serve one another. Um, verse, chapter 12, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Chapter 14, verse 3, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages and comforts them. Outside of this passage of Scripture, I'll bring in a passage of Scripture we haven't looked at uh, as another admonition about the spiritual gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. We need the manifestations of the gift. We need to use them. Paul and Peter are exhorting, we need to eagerly desire them so that the church can be built up. Any doubt that you are gifted if you are in God and that you need to eagerly desire gifts? Got it? If you got it, say amen. amen. If you don't got it, don't say amen. Just testing it, Simon says, just seeing if you are listening. Okay. All right. So we are to eagerly desire gifts. Um. We talked last week about the importance of order and clarity in the public worship service, and especially, again, from the context of this passage of Scripture, when tongues were being spoken in the context of Corinth, it sounded like, or it looked, it, it seems as if in the context of that passage of Scripture that there was a lot of spiritual gifts that were going on, specifically tongues that were not being interpreted. And Paul talked about how when there's not clarity in the worship service, when people who walk in don't understand what's going on, it can be a detriment instead of an encouragement. So that whatever is happening in the context of spiritual gifts operating, there is order and clarity. And sometimes that's the role of the pastor. Sometimes that's the role of the minister within the midst of the congregation to make sure that what is happening through you is understandable. It doesn't mean that it's going to be always received. It doesn't mean that everybody's always going to like it, right? It's not going to mean that it's not going to feel odd or weird to people at times because it's supernatural. And when we're in the presence of the supernatural, Sometimes it wigs us out. In Scripture, people fell out. They fell down. They fell on their face. We don't know what to do with the supernatural sometimes because we don't often engage in the supernatural. So let's not 
judge it because it's weird. Anything that we don't often experience is not normal, and what is not normal, oftentimes we look at with a jaundiced eye, we go, is that really God? And so when we're in the context of the church, we want to make sure that when those things happen, our first response isn't judgment, our first response isn't critical, our first response is, God, is that you? With an eager expectation that God might say, yeah, of which we can say, amen. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. We are eager for God to do things that he wants to do. We talked about prophecy in the New Testament, though, being different than the Old Testament prophecy, because when an Old Testament prophet got the word of the Lord, it was to be 100% accurate, or he died. <laughs> or at least sometimes that happened. In the New Testament, we see that there is an admonition, and we see it in a couple of places at the end of 1 Corinthians and Thessalonians, that when the prophetic is happening, that we're to test the prophetic. If we're to test the prophetic, then that means that there's some prof prophetic words that are on and some prophetic words that are off. But he doesn't tell us in the New Testament to kill those people that give off prophecies. The indication is, is that we are growing in our gifts. Just like we learn how to share our faith and our testimony and we practice uh, ways in which we can clearly communicate to people how Jesus Christ has saved our life, we practice and we share, and sometimes I share it really well and sometimes I don't. But I'm growing in the gift of communicating and proclaiming God. The same is true when I pray for somebody who is sick and I pray that God would heal them. Sometimes, guess what? Your pastor prays for the sick and they don't get healed. So do I go, well, the gift of healing must not be present today because they didn't get healed when I prayed for them. No, I go, you know what? I don't know what happened, but I'm going to pray again. I'm going to have... Faith again for healing. I'm going to have faith again in fill in the blank for whatever gifts that we're going to talk about today that God would continue, and specifically in the area of the prophetic. When I give a word to somebody, sometimes last week I gave a word to somebody, they started crying. That doesn't always happen. I mean, they were crying with joy. I mean, not, they weren't upset. You know. <laughs> Why did you lay your hand on me? They were crying because God spoke to them. But sometimes I pray, I have a word for somebody, and I pray, and they're like, and I'm afraid to ask if it even hit the mark, you know, because sometimes they'll go, I have no idea what you just prayed. Well, you know what God's going to reveal it in his time. I've got all kinds of ways to wiggle out of that prophetic word. But what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes it's on, sometimes the timing's off, and sometimes it's just flat off because, you know, I was tired or I was, you know, who knows? But God's okay with that because God wants us to continue to ask him and to step out in faith to minister to people. Sometimes we, we're on a journey. We all know that if we've been walking with the Lord for a while in the area of giftings, and 1 Corinthians 12 is only a list and it's not exhaustive. There's Romans 12 has a list of gifts. 1 Peter has a list of gifts. Ephesians 4 has a list of gifts. And none of those are exhaustive. In every context, the author is writing a, uh, using this list as an example of gifts that can be used to make a further point, not that this is the exhaustive list of, list of gifts. But we all know as believers that, or we should know, that we have gifts that we've walked in, and you should probably understand even now what some of your gifts are. And some of those gifts operate regularly in your life. Leadership, as Romans talks about, is a gift that I just operate in. 
It's easy for me. Exhortation is a gift that I know God has given me, and when God asks me to exhort, He has to tell me when to stop. Amen? (laughs) It's not whether or not I'm going to do it. It's like, am I going to do it the right length of time? When I do it over, it's because you're not praying for me. It's all your fault. (laughs) Never take responsibility. No, I'm just kidding. So we have gifts that we understand and we know about. Oftentimes we are not as clear on these manifestation gifts or these manifestations of the Spirit of God that we see in Corinthians because they're more supernatural in nature. And they scare us. Or they don't happen all the time. Or they're unusual. Or we don't understand that they're even, they even exist. Therefore, we don't even know how to ask for them or to believe that they would manifest in our lives. So we're going to pay a little bit more attention to those gifts this morning. So look with me at a list that we looked at a few weeks ago um, <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and 11. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. And by the way, I'm reading in a New Living Translation. Um, you'll see a little bit of a different breakdown of these gifts if you look at the NIV or uh, ESV or whatever, whatever version you're looking at. I always like to read these translations together uh, so that I have, uh, from a translation perspective, uh, a, a fuller understanding of, of what these gifts might be talking about or any pastor scripture might be talking about. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To, the, to another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts He alone decides which gift each person should have. It's kind of like an orchestra with many instruments. We are called as a church to be a beautiful sounding orchestra. But we need the woodwinds. We need the brass. We need the percussion. We need all of these instruments in their special sounds and instrumentation, but also in unity walking together so that the church might be built up. I spent quite a bit of time on prophecy and tongues last week, so I'm not going to spend any time on them, any more time on them this week. So if you're interested in um, more about those gifts, you can go back and listen to last week's message. You can get the notes from this week weekend's teaching. You can pull up your favorite preacher or teacher on your phone. You can get all kinds of teachings on that. Okay. But let's look at these other gifts. And can I just say this about the manifestations in 1 Corinthians 12, which are also, some of them are reiterated at the end of 14. Um, there's not a lot on some of these. There's not a lot written on the. There's actually not much at all in regards to the explanation of what these gifts are. So our understanding of these gifts are through reading Scripture, and you're going you're gonna to see me pull out some some, some examples from Jesus' life or the early church's life in regards to what I think that these gifts might be like, as well as church history and the experience within the church. So when we have that kind of context for explanation of Scripture, we want to hold it lightly. So what I'm telling you is to hold my teaching lightly this morning. Listen to it, 
Do your own study. Ask for God to give you your own experiences in, con in the context of this teaching of Scripture and discern what God is saying. I think that uh, I feel confident in my own discernment of some of these things, but there's not a lot spoken on some of these gifts. Okay? So when you do your own study, you'll see quite a bit of different thought on some of these gifts. The ability to give wise advice, or the NIV, I believe, calls it a word of wisdom. I would describe it this way, a revealed wisdom in accordance with a specific need, or maybe another way of saying it is seeing and saying what God sees and does. And remember, we're talking about supernatural abilities. So we're not just talking about being a wise person because we've lived for 40 or 50 years. We're talking about uh, uh, an ability that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, a supernatural knowledge applied in a godly or correct way. Um, for instance, listen to Jesus in Matthew 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. I believe that this was a word of wisdom. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. They said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the ways of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, having a, a revelation of... He, he, actually, there's two gifts going on here. There's a discernment, a discernment gift here, but also wisdom... He says, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius, and he asked them, whose portrait is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and so they left him and went away. He had a word of wisdom. He, had a, actually a, he was discerning of the spirit behind their question, so he had that gift as well. Um, how many of you know that Jesus has all the gifts because he's God? Okay. So it's, it's not really fair to, to compare Jesus and me but, um, and you, but he had a word of wisdom in that he was able to take their situation and apply godly wisdom to it in such a way, and I like the end of this because I think this is, this is key. They were amazed. Something was like, okay, that was not just man. Something awesome just happened there. My heart is opened up. My mind is opened up to what this man is saying or in the context of who we know Jesus to be God is doing. I find, for me, uh, this sometimes happens in counseling situations. When I am listening and talking to somebody, God will give me an illustration or an insight to their life, and I'll speak it, and they'll go, yeah. That was awesome. That, how did you know that? Or that's really cool. And then I'll go inside and go, wow, that was really awesome. Where did that come from? I had no idea. It is the wow. Where did that come from? I had no idea that I had that kind of unbelievable wisdom that I often attribute to the gift of the Holy Spirit. I didn't study for that answer. I didn't prepare for that answer. In context of conversation, God gives me an insight of wisdom that unlocks something in somebody else. I believe that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. A message of special knowledge or word of knowledge. Uh, the NIV calls it the word of knowledge. This is a supernatural knowledge of facts and information that can only be revealed by God for the purpose of connecting the receiver of that word to the truth and reality of God in their lives. 
You have a revelation of something you shouldn't know. It's, it's in line with the prophetic. And it unlocks their hearts. Remember this story of Jesus at, with the woman, of the woman at the well. That would be a, a word of knowledge. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, yeah, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands, have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, and of course we know that if we were there, the response would have been, how did you know that? Well, that was a word of knowledge. Some of you have heard me share a story that happened a couple years ago in my life where I was at a restaurant, and I was eating with some fellow ministers, and I look across the room, and I see a couple together, and immediately the Lord says they're having an affair. Of which I go, God, why did you tell me that? I, I really don't want to know that. I'm enjoying my Mexican food. It's Nympha's. It's, you know, it's my favorite restaurant. I really don't really have any desire to be involved in their life at all. So I just prayed a prayer. Lord, you know, bring repentance to their life. Amen. <clears throat> Started talking. The Lord kept on moving my eyes back and forth to this person. I said, Lord, why did you tell me that? He says, because I want you to go tell them. Now, why would God want that? Because words of knowledge, it's definitely not for me. I'm like, God, get another person. I said, did any of you else have anybody here at the table have a word for that person back there that God might be speaking to you about? No. It's not for me. It was for them. Because who knows that when you are in a situation like that and some stranger comes up and tells you, there's probably something that's going to happen in your life. And so I go, God, you want me to go tell them? Yes. Well, I know that happens. He's not like talking verbally to me. I just start getting sweaty palms. My heart starts racing, and I can't get the thought out of my mind. That's actually how God speaks. And I'm like, okay, i got to go do this so I can get on with my life. <laughs> so I stand up. I say, guys, pray for me. This is going to be really awkward. And so I walk over. To the couple, it's already awkward before I speak anything, because they're like, who is this strange man who's not bringing our check to the table? And I say, um, hi, I tell him I'm a minister, I mean, I tell him I'm a person that's in town visiting, I'm a follower of Jesus, I want to make sure that I say that, because I want him to give the, get the glory, this is about Jesus, not me, I'm a follower of Jesus, and as I was sitting there eating, I felt like the Lord said that you guys are having an affair and that he wants, you know, and then I went into why God would share that with me. I can't even know exactly. You know, after that, I lost all consciousness. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was speaking through me. I cannot remember anything, but God, get me out of here quickly. Total conviction at the table. As a matter of fact, I saw them playing footsies under the table. That stopped. You know, I had no idea, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but God said, this is an affair. And I called them to repentance. Um, I prayed for them, and I walked off. I, I walked back to my seat. I looked, their heads bowed. They, I mean, like, ugh. They looked at each other, and they walked out. I have no idea what God was doing, but I know it was God. Because God cares about us. He wasn't wanting to shame them. He was wanting to set them free. He was wanting to restore their marriages. He was wanting to protect their children if they had children. I don't know. He was wanting to do something redemptive in their lives by the Spirit of God. He used me 
the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit, the distinguishing between spirits. This is the supernatural ability, and this is where there's, there's a little bit of conjecture between people of exactly what this means. So we'll look at both of them. This could be the supernatural ability to distinguish between what is a prophetic word from God and a prophetic word that's not of God. Is it that word from God or not? Um, the spirit within that person, is that a spirit? Are they filled with God's spirit or are they filled with another spirit? So a discernment of the, 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 the kingdom of God in that which is not the kingdom of God in a statement or a person's life. We see this, First uh, John 4, um, 1 uh, says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone into the world. You remember when Paul in Acts 16, there was, they were going from place to place to prayer. They met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. The girl followed Paul and the rest, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That sounds good, but whatever that spirit in her was doing, it was not glorifying God, but it was a distraction. Right? And then finally, she kept it up for many days, and finally Paul became troubled. He turned to her and he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Um, you remember when Jesus, actually, it's not always that somebody's possessed. Sometimes we're operating under a spirit that's not of God, even as sincere followers of God. Remember, remember, remember Peter? Peter um, took Jesus aside after he said that he was going to have to die and be raised from the grave. And he said, no, Jesus, never. This shall never happen to you. What did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So that discernment of what is a word that is meant to bring life and edification and encouragement that comes from God in that which is not a word. And sometimes the hardest discernment, the, the hardest place of discernment is when it's spiritually sounding, it's spiritual sounding, when the person sounds like God, but you just go, that is not God, I just, the, my spirit does not, re, the, does not bear witness to what's going on in you, even though it sounds all spiritual, it's discernment, oftentimes we completely override that gift from God, because of the spiritual nature involved in the conversation or in the person. Don't override it. Don't always confront it. Oftentimes when I have that, that's not God, I don't go, you're not God. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as good as Jesus yet. You know, I don't know exactly. Internally, I go, Lord, do something here. I, so I pray. I pray for clarity. I pray for them. Lots of prayer for them, and I pray for escape. <laughs> Lord, let me out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I pray, and then God gives me clarity on what's next. Okay. Sometimes it's a place of deliverance where you actually do have the gift along with discernment to see deliverance happen, to pray for somebody to be freed up from the power of Satan. When I was a youth pastor, I had a young man who asked me for prayer, and as we were praying, I felt like the Lord said, he has got a spirit of fear and death on him. And I'm like, okay. I went, why, God, God, why do you do these things to me? What do I do with that? And God says, I want you to deliver him. I've never done that before. I'm just a youth pastor. We play games, Lord. <laughs> for the 
big weight, you know, Pastor Camp, where are you? To, to pray for him. And so I said, so and so, I said, I really feel like that you um, have the spirit of fear and death, spirit, spirit of fear and death on you. And when I looked at this young man's eyes, if you've ever dealt with deliverance, um, and I haven't done a lot, but I have a little bit, you see two people. There is the person who's wanting to be free, and then there's the demon. Am I freaking anybody out, out yet? Oh, Lord, this is one of those churches. Stay in. It's going to be okay. We, we won't pray for you today. We'll pray for you next week. It's just one more. Just so I said, so I said, so I said uh, uh, spirit of fear and death, and I saw this young man. I, I could see him start to, in his spirit, say, I want to be free. And in the spirit, and in Boba's back, say, over, you know, this is a battle. So I did what I, all I knew what to do. I remembered what Jesus did. I just kind of did the Jesus thing and said, Jesus in me, you got to do this. And I said, in the name of Jesus, let this young man go and come out. He just started bawling. He fell to the ground. Snot, tears, joy. And he, he's been a different person ever since, or at least as long as I've known him. And he was set free, right? Well, that happens today. That's not just in the, the New Testament or back way back then. Sometimes the authority of Christ in us, the Spirit of God in us, wants to empower us with a discerning word Coupled, maybe there's a gift of faith there, right? To believe that God has the power to do what we can't do. Okay. To set people free. Which leads me to faith. This is not the faith that is measured to every believer, nor is it saving faith. This is a special supernatural faith given by the Spirit to lead out or believe for something only God can do. Right? And oftentimes, it's, a, it's accompanied with evangelism or mass evangelism, right? Faith to believe the extraordinary. Paul standing before the courts and kings and preaching the gospel, knowing that his own life was at stake. Uh, him going back into town after he had been left for dead and going right back to the place that he, of his accusers. That's faith. That's believing that God is bigger than our circumstances. Even to the point of death, we believe that God can do what no man can do. Um, I've had that kind of faith. I, I've, I've not, not being left for dead and going back in the city kind of faith. That has not happened to me. But I've had God stir me for things that uh, I would not have believed for otherwise. Charles Finney, the great evangelist, uh, is known to have brought an umbrella to uh, a church that in, an, in an area of, of the country that had been under drought for years because he felt like the Lord said, today it's going to rain. And so he brought his umbrella, and they were like, Finney, why do, you, why do you have your umbrella? And he said, because it's going to rain. And they looked out, and the, cloud, the sky was clear, and they said, it's not going to rain today, as it has not rained for many days. He says, no, it's going to rain today. And sure enough, they started to see a cloud form, and the cloud formed, and it became a storm, and it rained on that day. And he put up his umbrella and said, <laughs> now when he took his umbrella that morning, I'm not sure what was happening, but I know if it was me, I'm like, oh, God. I'm going to be the idiot today, you know, that brings an umbrella, you know, and shades myself from the sun, you know. But he believed with faith that God was going to do something miraculous. And sometimes God gives those 
us those, those seeds of faith, healing, special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to be used by him to regularly cure illness, restore health, wholeness, without natural means, supernatural healing. You remember um, Peter and John in Acts 3, they, they meet uh, uh, a, a cripple who's, who is begging, for them, begging money for them from them. And uh, when they saw this, this beggar, uh, they say this. They say, um, I don't have any silver or any gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Sometimes there's faith for healing and a gift for healing that we have. And we've, we've seen healings. People lay on hands and seen people recovered in this church from everything from sicknesses, to, uh, uh, we had a young lady that was in a severe car accident that her back was healed. Uh, we, prayed over, uh, we prayed over a young boy who had a debilitating brain disease that was in the 0.0001 percentile of being, being able to recover and is completely whole and healed today. We see these things happen. Do they happen all the time? No. But we have different ones of us in our midst David Pucci is one of those guys who has the gift of faith for healing. And, he, and, and sometimes we see healing happen multiple times um, in regards to that. Miracles. I have all kinds of stories about healing, but I don't have time. Um, last one, miracles. Um, the supernatural suspension of natural laws or the intervention by the Holy Spirit into the laws of nature to perform powerful acts that alter the ordinary course of nature. We have had stories in Mongolia, and I, and, and I, I call this a healing miracle. This is a miracle because the dead have been raised. We have had people that were clinically dead in a hospital that uh, a team of Mongolian believers laid hands on them, and the person came to life but could not move their body. They left. They came back. The person, after a period of time, began to the spirit within them began to be able to, the body became restored, they, got, they were healed, they remembered the prayers of those people that prayed for them, they couldn't communicate, and when they saw them, there was a, they were like, you prayed for me, we did? Yeah, I was the dead man that you healed. And there's a story by a guy named David Hogan, it's one of, this is my miracle story of stories. He shares a story of, he's a missionary in Mexico, and he shares a story of wanting to get to a village to preach the gospel and it was during a flood. This guy's crazy. You just need to watch him one time. He's a crazy guy because he's seen wonderful, powerful things happen. And he said, God, you called me to get over there, but I can't get there because of this. And God says, yes, you can. He says, how? Just keep on driving your truck. So he rolled up the windows. He drove his truck, went down into the river, drove under the, the riverbed, all the way under the riverbed and back up the, uh, on the other side and drove on. I, I'm, I ain't no engineer. I don't think that happens. I don't think trucks are made to drive under flood rivers. It just doesn't happen. But he went for it uh, because he, you know, he had great faith because he had seen God do miracles before. He's seen people raised from the dead. And um, God did a miracle. That's a miracle. I, I would not encourage any of you to try that at home. <laughs> unless you really know that God is speaking to you. And then get another confirmation. <laughs> just want to know. Okay, okay. Ben, come on up here. 
Ken Geyer, uh, an author and um, theologian, says this. You're sitting here going, I don't know, gosh, uh, I don't know what I, if I want all this stuff to happen. I don't even know if I agree with what you're teaching. It sounds awesome, but I just like things to be neat and nice. We like ch- church to be neat and nice, Sean. So he says this. It said, he said, it could be argued that to open up the possibility, and he's speaking here of the, 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 the utterance gifts, prophecy, tongues, and words of knowledge, and all these kind of things. It could, it could be argued that to open the possibility of God speaking through other means than the clear teaching of Scripture is to let in all sorts of confusion. After all, a window lets in pollen along with the breeze, flies along with the sunshine, the cackle of crows along with the cooing of doves. If that were your argument, I would have to agree. But if we want fresh air, we have to be willing to live with a few flies. Of course, we can shut out the flies and the pollen and the cackle of the crows, and if a clean and quiet house is what's most important to us, perhaps that is what we should do. But if we do, we also shut out so much of the warmth, so much of the fragrance, so many of the sweet songs that may be calling to us. What do you want? I want songs. I want fragrance. I want the breeze. I want all that God wants is what I want. Nothing more and nothing less. So would you stand up with me? That's our prayer, Lord. Nothing more or nothing less. We want you, Holy Spirit, to do today what you want to do. And tomorrow, do what you want to do tomorrow. We don't want to put you in a box. We don't want to, we don't want to make up anything. We don't want to strive. We're just eager for you and what you want to do. God, would you, in these next few minutes, release your spirit to minister to us. So if you're in that place, open up your hands, your heart, say, God, do what you want to do. And I I do believe that there are two groups of people in the room today, those who God wants to minister to, and those in which God wants to minister through. And you already know right now which one you are. So if you are called to be ministered to, maybe God at the very beginning of the message highlighted something that puts a dam up in your life. Let God put cracks in that dam this morning. Let him bust open your heart and soften it. So Spirit of God, would you begin to do that even right now for those that you want to minister to this morning? We want for the for the others in the room. Lord, would you put faith in their heart to believe that you have a gift that you want to, a manifestation of your presence that you want to stir up in them and to use, maybe a, a prophetic word, a scripture, a word of knowledge, faith for healing. Lord, would you do that in Jesus' name? If you were sick and that was what God spoke to, there's something physically, emotionally, There is a healing that you need in your life, and you want God to heal you this morning. Let's believe for that healing. So would you come up and stand up here, right here in this section right now? If that was what God said, you know, right when I said that, you said, oh, I just prayed for healing. If that's you, come on up. We'll wait for you. 
spread over in this little area. Create some space around it. I'm stirred to believe for healing. And you have faith in your heart to be used in that way. Would you come and would you find one of these people and begin to pray for them? Gift of healing. It might not be that you, it might just be today. It might be that God activated something today in your heart for healing. Find somebody and pray. There's more than more than one, then do two. So this lady right here is asking for prayer as well. Okay. You felt like when we prayed that God wanted to minister to you. You don't know exactly what God wants to do in your life, but you felt like you were called to receive from Him and be ministered to. Um, if that's you, um, let's try it first here. Come on up. If you want to be prayed for because God wants some, you want ministry, why don't you stand right here in the front in this, this, this corner right here, if that's you somebody to pray for you. Come on up right now. Lots of different needs that will come up right now. You can stand up here. Just give yourself some space so people can be around you. Jason, right here. Anybody else? You're saying, I, I felt like the Lord said, I, I want to minister to you this morning. I believe there's probably quite a few in this room. So we have quite a few that maybe the Lord said, I, I want to I want to minister through you. If you can see down here to this group of five, I want you to look and I want you to pray, Lord, is there, is there a person up there that you're calling me to pray for right now? There's somebody standing up here that God, and God's going to, if that's you, he's going to, you're going to look at this person and go, I've got to go pray for them. You might already have a word for them. Or when you come up and you lay hands on them, God's going to do something through you to minister to them. And I think there's going to be multiple people around each person up here. So if that's you, come on and lay a hand on the person that God spoke to you to minister to and begin to pray. We're going to just worship here for a few minutes. And what I encourage you to do is to continue to ask the Lord, God, what are you speaking to me? And what are you wanting to do in me or through me? And let's worship and just allow. He might have you go to somebody who's in another 
seat in the auditorium. He might just have you soak up his presence. He might have you worship. Let's just take the next few minutes to be in the presence of the Lord and allow God to do what he wants to do.